You're listening to Pole Parlor, a fun, inspiring podcast for all those bewitched by pole dance. Each week, your Madam Crimson Minx has candid conversation with unique, engaging individuals from within and around the pole dance community. Pole Parlor is passionate about preaching creativity, soulful sensuality, and empowerment through pole dance. You know how we do. Welcome everyone to Pole Parlor. This is episode 21, Carol Helms. I'm your host, Crimson Minx. On this episode, we have Carol Helms. Carol is an OG pole dancer who has been in the industry for over 10 years and has been a pioneer in helping the community evolve into what it is today. On this episode, we talk about her experience discovering pole while dancing at a club and the struggles of learning pole in a time before proper studios and social media, her early adventures creating her YouTube following and connecting with other pioneering dancers from around the world, her role as a brand ambassador and in developing the Bad Kitty original pole wear line, and her current life as a non-competitive pole dance professional. And don't forget to head over to the blog at poleparlor.com to check out Carol's post-podcast interview where she shares her favorite photos, music, video, and more. And while you're there, Check out the pole parlor shop for some fun, irreverent pole wear. So let's get started. Welcome, Carol Helms, to the Pole Parlor Podcast. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Oh, doing fantastic. Even better now that I'm talking to you. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So let's jump on in. Um, So for how long have you been pole dancing and how did you first discover pole? Well, I've um, been pole dancing unofficially since 2002. And so I guess that makes about 14 years now. Um, And I discovered pole dancing in the clubs. So I was an exotic dancer for the first four or five years of my uh, pole career. Okay. So that's how, and was pole like a thing back then or you really was just kind of like basic level spins, tricks, dancing um, at the club? Right. Um, So when I first started there, there was a girl there that did a couple of things and looking back, they were just really simple spins and like fan kicks and things, but I just thought it was amazing so I would go in super early every day and practice um, when nobody was really there. And I kind of just came up with things on my own because there wasn't really any resources back then to like learn from. Mm-hmm. And um, probably at about 2004, 2005 is about the time that S-Factor came around. And um, there still was not YouTube then, so YouTube wasn't until about 2006. So I had researched online on Google uh, for like pole dance instruction or videos, and I found Fania's um, DVDs, Pole Work Volume 1, which I think we all happened along uh, back in the day. But that was the first time I saw the handspring and kind of got an inkling that there was like a, something more to pull other than outside of what I was doing in the club. So, um, my interest was peaked. And then in 2006, YouTube kind of became a thing and people were on YouTube looking at funny cat videos. And I was just on there, um, really late one night after, after work and I had looked up, uh, pole dancing videos. And one of the first that came up was Felix Kane. Um, her 2005 Miss Pole Dance America. Australia? Yeah, or sorry, Miss Miss Pole Dance Australia. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so it was when she had the really short hair and she danced to the Alice song. Yes. And so I was immediately like, wow, this is is completely unlike anything I've ever seen or done myself in the club. And and I also happened along um, Alina Downs' videos. She was a Canadian with uh, pole junkies long, long, long time ago, back in the day. And, um, and then there was also an English girl by the name of Tara Karina that was one of kind of the first 
poll videos that I found and it was just her dancing in what I believe was her garage, but not completely sure, but they were just amazing. So I would analyze them and then go to the club and try the tricks that I, I found online. And then eventually I started posting my own videos on YouTube. So it wasn't until about 2004, 2005, maybe 2006 that I started venturing outside of like the five things that, you know, I had kind of taught myself without any like external uh, resources. So about 10 years, 10, 12 years, something between there. it's a little hazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. You were young then too, and it wasn't, you know. I feel like the first four years, I just did the same five moves over and over again. So, um, doesn't paid at that started, point. Uh, expanding my pole vocabulary that I really count, like you know, being into into pole. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, we won't hold you to the full 14 years of train of heavy training then, <laughs> but, um, and I forgot to ask, this was in North Carolina. Is this where, yeah, okay. yeah. where you grew up, where you still are, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the Charlotte area okay. in North Carolina. So I've been, uh, been here most of my life. Cool. And so growing up, were you a dancer? Do you have a history in that? Or did you not really start dancing till you were older? Funny enough, um, I was a huge tomboy growing up, and so I raced motocross, I ran track, I played basketball, I played softball, um, I never wore makeup or dresses or skirts. Um, or eight-inch heels. <laughs> yeah, or eight-inch heels, or did my hair. Um, so it was, it was really, um, it wasn't really until I became an exotic dancer when I started becoming more in touch with my, my girly, sexy side. That's, that's cool. I mean, when we were younger, it's weird when, you know, if now everyone's kind of like younger, a bit oversexed, I think you came into it at the, at the correct age. So it was yeah. nice that you could like tumble around at a younger age. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you mentioned before YouTube. And so for those who don't know, Carol was one of the first people to start like really posting to YouTube with intention, correct? And right. because like you said, at the time, um, there weren't, it, it sounds like from just the people I've talked to on this podcast that started around the time you were, you guys were all looking for the same thing, but didn't have the resources to connect with each other. And then this online thing happened and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in North Carolina, you know, someone's in Canada, someone's in LA, someone's in New York and you're all just like, wow, that person's like me and you're connecting online. So what was your kind of, what launched you to say, hey, I'm going to actually start really pursuing this, start posting this on YouTube because I have talked to many people who said that you specifically were such a huge influence in them. Oh, Yes, learning when there weren't studios in their town yet um, and having access to knowing that there was even this world out there. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know um, if starting out I had an intention other than just sharing what I was doing. And um, back then we were all kind of also creating at the time because, you know, there, there was only such a small vocabulary of moves that we all um, kind of knew and grew with. Um, so it seemed like every week there was, um, you know, new discoveries and little happy accidents that, um, kind of turned into moves on their own. So I just started kind of posting like my practice videos. Sometimes I would leave all the bloopers and fails in there. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think my intention was just to, to YouTube was still so new and it just seemed like a cool place to like upload your videos and share them with the world and like, see, like check out what I'm doing. Um, and then it became a sort of place for community around the pole fitness, pole dance industry, because back then it was kind of the only way that we had to communicate and connect with each other because Facebook hadn't even been, um, opened up to the public. It was still a college format. Um, so other than MySpace, we were on YouTube posting our pole dance videos and commenting on each other's videos and complimenting and making suggestions and creating moves together. 
sharing things that we learned. Um, um, also we, we would kind of chat about like, what, sh- what should we call this move? And so it was kind of like we were, we were creating this thing out of nothing and we were doing it together. And it wasn't until, um, quite a few years later that we, that we started having, um, uh, competitions and things to actually meet up and be in person and, uh, around all of our YouTube friends and fanatics. That's cool. What were some of the early events that allowed you to meet people? Um, there was, there was, a, an event very early on called Rock the Pole, uh, by Michael Nunes, who is out of Redlands, California. And um, she owned Antics Fitness. I believe she still does. A powerful little, little tiny little pole dancer. But she did an event, and that was one of the um, one of the first times that I met um, Leanne Riley and Esty Zakar. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of who else OGs were there. Um, it, it's been. Well, that was 2009, so it's been seven years ago. Um, And then in around the same year, there was uh, the first USPDF competition um, in the spring of 2009. And so that was literally the first time we all came out of YouTube and descended on a city and met and shared, you know, a whole weekend together, like taking workshops um, it was my first class, like formal pole dance class. It was with uh, Wendy Traskos at New York Pole Dance. And I met Alethea, met um, all the competitors that were there that weekend, um, and have made so many friends and still have so many friends that we connected that weekend in New York City. Um, and it's just so wild and crazy to think about how many events and the amounts and size of the events now compared to our little, um, you know, probably 200 plus people at the very first USPDF nationals. Oh my gosh. Do you, I've, I've heard about this competition. Do, who won it? Do you recall? Uh, Janine Butterfly won it. She, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was, that was Janine's, uh, big US win. And then, um, Later in that same year, they opened up a West Coast Regionals and an East Coast Regionals. And I came in first place on the East Coast Regionals. Congrats. And thank you. And <laughs> so that was my very first um, time being on stage in front of that many people and also being judged for, you know, my pole dancing abilities. Um, first time, like, creating a routine that wasn't freestyled in the club, Uh so it was it was a very new experience, but um, the girl who won the West Coast Regionals in 2009 was Amber Richard, and she was also one of the YouTube OGs um, from back in the day. So it was kind of like, you know, we kind of like grown on YouTube together, and now kind of sprouted out into this world because there 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 weren't a whole lot of even just studios back then across the U.S. Uh, the pole fitness movement was mainly taking place in. Australia, England, um, not even really that big in Europe yet. So um, there was probably a handful of studios across the U.S., so it was really hard to um, connect with each other and and find communities. So that was the community that we had existed mainly online. That's cool. Are, you, are those videos, are those like early videos still up on your account? Oh, yeah. I've, I've left a lot of my early embarrassing videos online um I mean they have a lot of views and sometimes I still go back and watch them and I'm like oh man why don't I do that that little move anymore and I mean albeit they're they're kind of sloppy and my extension is bad and my feet are floppy and ankles are bad but I mean it just goes to show you that you can you can start with no dance or gymnastics background or abilities and with enough practice and, and want to and desire, you can, you can improve on those things, um, and become, you know, whatever you want to. Yeah. It's more the passion into it. If you're so into it that you're willing to do it at home by yourself without a studio to motivate you to go to and still achieve all that you've done. Yeah. You're going to get the nuances. You're going to get, you know, the polishing done eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 
uh, I learned a lot in, in the clubs dancing. Um, it teaches you a lot about coming up with things on the fly and freestyling and um, listening to the music and um, not worrying so much about, um, you know, an audience. Yeah, that's true because you're being, people are watching you with completely different intent and you're trying to engage them in a completely different manner, not for like points, but for money. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the same thing, but kind of different too. And it's, it's, um, I think I learned a lot of um, my, my style there. And I think that's what I can um, take from that that time in my life and that time in my pole dance kind of, um, career. Yeah. Your swag. Yeah. Your pole swag. Yep. Cool. So you said that you, you know, did the club for like four years and then it sounds like you really got wrapped into the pole community more. So then, you know, what did you end up doing to turn this into a career for yourself what was what was available to you even it's so funny because I always think people are gonna go back and listen to this and just like roll their eyes and laugh like we talk about seven years ago like it's 70 years ago but yeah in, in well, our feel, life it feels like 70 yeah. <laughs> but it's true it's like seven years ago that's so long ago in the in the poll community so um you had to probably create a lot of opportunities for yourself in order to to like maintain a, a, a life and an income, right? Like you toured. I mean, I, I still, I still worked in the club, you know, Mm -hmm. when I did, but, um, eventually, you know, more and more studios, uh, began popping up all over the U S and, um, more touring opportunities became, um, available as well as more, um, competitions, um, more showcases, more events like um, PolCon started in 2010, okay. um, and as well as sponsorship opportunities. So sponsors would want you to travel here and um, you know do trainings or come and be at their booth for you know a particular expo um, event. Mm-hmm. So I think I think as the community grew, those opportunities grew. I don't know if we made them for ourselves, but um, this this pole fitness industry really started kind of catching fire and becoming um, a real thing that like everyday ladies did and wanted to do. And from that, I think you know they they kind of like we did, seeked out resources, and those resources were us. And so they're like, come here and teach us your ways. And yeah, <laughs> um, and I think. You know, then because we were we were the ones that you know there was only two competitions in 2010, and those were USPDF and um, I believe Eats Me West had started by then. Okay. Um, but there 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 wasn't as many other people being exposed, I guess, out there, um, other than the 10 to 12 competitors in you know the regional competitions and the nationals, and so I think with the growth came more opportunities to travel um, and teach. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you did create the opportunities because you putting yourself out there on YouTube and bringing yourself to these competitions and things like that did give yourself a name and it gave these companies a reason to to create themselves. And, you know, it gave Expo a reason to grow and and all of this. So you know, give yourself some credit. (laughs) You definitely helped create the industry. um, Because without you guys, who would they even be appealing to, you know, so. um, So um, since you brought it up, the um, working with companies, one of the big companies that you started working with early on was Bad Kitty. Right. And you are a brand director there. I believe that is your title. So how did that connection happen? What was your involvement? Um, so that connection happened in about late 2009, early 2010. Uh, there was a small competition in New York city called pole miss pole superstar. And, um, bad kitty was in attendance and met, um, Alethea Austin and Mina Mortazai. And I believe Esty Zakar was also there, um, competing, but they, um, approached 
the ladies after watching, you know, what they had seen on, on stage and were just blown away because at the time Bag Kitty was just a, a, a small uh, company that, that worked with um, a distributor and sold, you know, stripper clothes. And that was kind of it. And other than X-Pole at the time, there was no other pole companies out there. There, there weren't any, any pole clothing companies or pole apparel companies um, by any means. So I think they, they saw a, a really up-and-coming industry and a, um, an opportunity to get in early and create something really exciting um, and so they approached us for about uh, working with them to create uh, clothing for pole dancers by pole dancers. And so our relationship began in 2010, and we started um, developing the, uh, the, the princess tops and spiderback tops and the Brazil shorts. And so our goal was to, to have clothing that, was a little bit more appropriate for studio use um, instead of just shopping on the stripper websites, which is what most of us were doing. And, you know, we had little tiny crotches with their shorts and <laughs> you know, not everything was staying where it should have been. And if you wore dance stuff, it just wasn't sexy. It just, and a lot of the cuts just aren't sexy at all. Yeah. Um, so we started developing a pull fit line and after about two years of development, they started coming out with the, um, the spiderback top was first and we did a go-go short and the Brazil short and that just in black. And now we have over 20 different tops and 20 different shorts and 30 different colors and color combos and print combos that you can choose from. So it's really exciting to, to have been a part of you know, this little dream that we had about, let's just make, you know, awesome pole clothing that everybody will want to buy to, um, you know, this awesome company that Bag Kitty has become today. So I feel really lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. Do you still work with them? And Yeah. 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 Um, so besides Bag Kitty, I'm also um, an, an expo athlete and um, I work with uh, closely with um, Mighty Grip as well as Stunt Grip, um, Glitter Heels, Pole Idol. And, um, I love girly grip. Sue Hooker over there is amazing. And, um, I also get shoes from, uh, uh, Aura Heels here in Raleigh, North Carolina, as well as Diamond Diva Designs that are here in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I kind of represent all of those brands. Um, X-Pole and Bad Kitty have definitely been, you know, my sponsors for the longest out of all of those. And they're, I guess, my biggest sponsors, um, just based on, the size of their companies. The rest of them are kind of um, friend, pole friends who have, you know, developed something that, you know, is really awesome. And so I'm like, yeah, those are awesome. And I would love to be a part of that. Um, like Glitter Heels, that's Tiffany Hayden's. Yes, uh, her shoes are. <laughs> I know, her shoes, her shoes are amazing. I know. And they're so worth it. If you can buy a pair, buy them. The same with Aura Heels. Um, you know, Melanie there and her husband, Alan, they're just good friends. And she's a pole dancer student and, and her husband is, you know, an electronics nerd. And so he just got this great idea to LED a pair of heels for her. And now they have a business. Um, so it's just things like that that are just really cool and like awesome stories to, to share about and, and be a part of just to see like, you know, somebody's little seed of an idea become this huge, um, huge, awesome, thriving business and industry. Yeah, I'm going to put all of um, every everyone that you represent, I'll put them in the show notes. If people are interested, I think it's really important to support these brands. So it's so great. That, okay. Yeah. yeah. So people who are listening, you can go in the show notes and, and check them all out because you're right. It's like when you're starting off as these small brands, like I can't imagine the LED shoes as amazing as they are, and I've been with people who dance with them, and I intend to get a pair for myself one day, but it's not like they can, like, sponsor you to, like, send you around the world or anything like that, so I just think that speaks to, like, your character to be, you know, to represent them still and, you know, to 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 rep them even here on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, they've, they've 
they've been amazing to me and they have amazing stuff and I just want everybody to know about it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's interesting because I didn't know this originally because when I started polling, I've only been polling for like three and a half years and I always thought Bad Kitty was like this you know, athletic kind of fitness pole brand. And when I did a little more research, I was like, oh no, this, this was like clubwear. They were, they, yeah. they started as a clubwear brand. So, so I have to get someone on the show from them eventually. So um, to speak to them more about it, but I just yeah. think it's so amazing how they are, they have a presence, them and Expo have a presence everywhere. Yes. Um, with well, pole. I mean, the uh, bad, or Expo and Bad Kitty have definitely both, been a presence in the pole industry as well, just because they've they've supported almost every event and every competition and every showcase that is out there. Yeah. Um, as well as you know they they they're really about supporting the industry and showing the industry in a good light, and and they really do treat their their ambassadors and um, sponsors or sponsorees, uh, you know, like like movie stars, like superstars. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. So as you know, yeah. hope that, you know, they can, they only grow larger and are more successful because of that. Cause they really are embedded in the community. So they are, I'm not sure our community would be where it is today if it wasn't for Expo and Bad Kitty. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So that's so cool. So you've like, you know, and really you've grown up with them as well. Yeah. Um, do you have any like fun stories you can share with us from, I mean, I have to imagine <laughs> that from these early days, these OG days that you have to have something that maybe we don't know about that could be a really fun OG story. Oh man. Um, lots. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like, um, so my very first expo was purchased from the UK, um, before there was an expo USA. I, I needed it. I had to have it. Um, none of the other poles is what I wanted. It yeah. was a 50 millimeter chrome. It was a di- it's a dinosaur. I still have it. It's like collecting dust in my corner. <laughs> but, and then six months later, Expo USA opened. So I literally ended up buying the, um, the Expo from UK and paying almost what I paid for it in shipping. And then six months later um, was Expo USA. <laughs> um, but an, another little funny story is the first time that I met um, uh, Clive from Expo UK uh, was at my birthday party at the very first um, the very first pole show LA. And so it just happened that the show was on my birthday day. And so afterwards they had, um, like a little birthday party, surprise birthday party and cake. And a lot of the guests hung out because, you know, we're all like, you know, a bunch of pole fans and friends. Uh, so we hung out and partied and there was this one older gentleman that was really sticking out like a sore thumb, was dressed so nicely in like a suit and the rest of us are, you know, we're pole dancers. We're running around half naked, um, and then plus it was, it was at Beast Bun. So then you have, you know, the other, the jujitsu guys. And so it was, he was definitely out of place and came up and started talking to me and he had an English accent and I was still very confused as how he fit into this whole equation until he finally told me he was Clive from, you know, Expo UK. And, and then it clicked and made sense, but me and Clive are, have had a great relationship since then. And then I think the same night was when I was introduced to Ty from Expo US. And, um, and shortly after that is when, you know, they kind of asked me to become, you know, sponsored by them. And, and at first that kind of just meant like, I got a free poll. And then, you know, <laughs> as, the years went on, as, yeah, and as the years went on, you know, you know, obviously, you know, more and more perks, um, come along with that. And, depending on, you know, where they needed us and, you know, all of that. But it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to just think back about meeting, meeting people for the first time and, and thinking so like, like Clive was just such an out of place. And now I feel like he's just a staple at every, every (laughs) pole event. Like where's, where's the old man in the nice little suit, the English accent. I wonder how he got (laughs) involved in pole. 
He's actually the engineer oh, design X-Pol. Gotcha. Well, yeah. that's important because... If you ever get a chance to talk to him about it, it's an interesting story. Oh, yeah. I'm going to look for him. I have um, an X-Pol. It's and, right and it, me. He's, he's actually a rocket scientist, and he, oh. yep, he's invented um, rocket packs, and and then he invented the X-Pol, and that's kind of, I think that's kind of been his life ever since then, I think. You know, like so, we had St- Stephen Rutchless on, and he was talking about how he learned on polls from Spencer Gifts, oh, <laughs> and he like oh, kept no. breaking them. <laughs> I can imagine those cheap little seventy dollars polls. Yeah, so that is why Carol needed to order one from the UK because yeah. she would have like fallen on her head or like. Oh, I'd head. watched enough fail videos on YouTube <laughs> that I knew I didn't need an ex poll or a, a dance poll from Spencer's. <laughs> Yeah, and people always ask me when they come over and they see my ex-pole and they're like, oh, does that fall down? How does that stay yeah. up? And I'm always like, I don't know. I just followed the video and I installed it. It has been up for like three years. You know, I have had heavy dudes try to jump on it and it does not budge. And so now I have the answer. Um, this was invented by a rocket scientist, okay? Yep. so it was. It was. You have, you have that answer now. Yes, everyone does. And now everyone can feel a little safer. <laughs> <laughs> when they pull on an ex-pull. <laughs> so what is so what is up with Carol now? Are you still competing? Are you teaching workshops? Like what what's your passion in the poll community right now? Um so I am not competing. I haven't competed in um poll since 2012. Um I do spend a lot of time judging still. Um, I particularly like judging because I feel like I'm a little bit of an analytical kind of person. I'm very visually analytical. So, um, I do like, like judging and enjoy that. Um, but I'm also still traveling and teaching, um, quite a bit. I mean, I've been doing this now since 2009, 2010. So about five six, seven years that I've been traveling and, you know, doing all the polls been, you know, my life, my all consumed life. Um, but I, I have, especially this year, tried to slow down with my travel. Um, even though it still doesn't feel like I have, <laughs> I think I have, but, um, I so feel like still, you're everywhere. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I still feel like I'm everywhere too. And I'm like, eventually people are just going to stop asking me to come to things. Right. But, um, has not been the case so far. Uh, so I am still doing quite a bit of, um, like workshop traveling and I love to go to, um, you know, PolCon and Pole Expo every year. Um, I definitely try to do a couple of camps per year. Um, and then I also host my own, um, show every year here in Charlotte called Odd Ones Out Pole and Aerial Showcase. So that has kind of consumed some of my home time, especially, um, the years that it's, it's gone on, I have not been able to find secure a venue for this year. Um, it's, it usually happens in June, but the, the venue that we used to use, um, shut down last year. So I'm looking for a completely new, amazing, perfect venue. And I know I'll find it. It's out there. I just have to find it. Um, but other than that, I, um, I actually help my friend part-time too. She has a custom cookie company that she um, she covers Oreos and chocolate and screen prints little images and pictures and logos. Oh. You're amazing. Um, so I eat about five Oreos a day that I'm over there um, working for her. <laughs> and then she also has a two-year-old and a four-year-old that I help nanny part-time as well. Um, and then other than that, I, I, you know, I garden, I craft. I have three cats and a dog, so I stay pretty busy over here outside of just pole. Um, so I definitely, definitely spread myself in a lot of different areas. But I just love to, love to travel and teach. Mm-hmm. So I'm still, I'm still doing a lot of that, and I'm also teaching locally at um, Interdiva Studios here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so I teach. Wednesday night there. Come to my class. <laughs> I'm flying out sometime for sure. <laughs> you should. It'd be fun. I'll show you Charlotte. Yeah. What you you. It'll be I, good. I've been to Charlotte, but not for any longer than a layover at the airport. But your airport's lovely. But oh, yeah, the airport. <laughs> there, 
Yeah, there's a lot more to my city than the airport, but the airport isn't too bad. It's very nice if anyone yeah. has the opportunity, but I can't wait to see the city itself. But that's cool that you really do kind of keep yourself busy in other areas. It keeps the passion for pole alive. And um, I want to hear more, though, about Odd Ones Out. So what kind of show is it? Is it just pole? Is it other type of performances? Um, the majority of it is pole. Okay. Um, but I'd say about 80% of it is pole. And then we have aerialist, um, like aerial silks, lira, cool. uh, duos, aerial duos, pole duos, pole groups. Uh, I also have a guy who does poi. I have a couple of fire dancers, um, some burlesque dancers. So it's kind of like a little variety show, but mainly pole just because that's, you know, my community. And it started out as I wanted to kind of create more local opportunities for local pole dancers. Um, and by local, I just mean the whole state of North and South Carolina (laughs) because there's really just not a whole lot of, um, you know, big shows or, you know, competitions that even come to Charlotte, much less either of these states. So um, my goal was to just create, uh, you know, performance opportunities for all the local girls to get to go up and actually feel what it feels like to to perform on like a big stage with professional lighting and professional poles in front of a real audience. Um, So I started about three years ago and except for this year, (laughs) Um, so keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully I'm hoping for a winter show if I can still find that, that venue. Uh, so Charlotte has undergone a lot of, uh, like redevelopment. And so it's, they're, they're kind of closing a lot of places down, redeveloping some places. So, um, keep your fingers crossed that I find something good. Yeah. Building Um, a new venue for you. Yeah. It's, it was just, it was just a fun, fun thing for me to do and to provide my local community, um, and to, kind of bridge some of the studios together because I'm not exactly affiliated. I don't belong to any particular studio in town. So I'm kind of like Switzerland where they can all come together and, and play in the sandbox. And, you know, it, so it makes for a, a really good local community when we can all like kind of come together and do these kinds of shows and everybody gets, you know, promotion for their studios and their, their businesses and their students and their instructors yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun. But last year I had um, 60 performances or 60 performers. Oh, I was like, holy was crap, a- that's a long night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was – I think I think I'm giving you the wrong number. I think it was about 32 performances because the first year we had 14. So, yeah, I think it was about 32 in all. Wow. In one night, still a lot. Yeah, it's totally a <laughs> lot. A lot, yes. But, I mean, it, it's grown a whole lot, and um, so I'm really working hard to try and bring it back this year for everybody. Oh, well, you know, the delay just helps you kind of brainstorm it a bit more, helps it grow a bit more. So that's so amazing yeah. that you do that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like, um, you know, I like performing, and I just wanted to be able to provide, you know, my, my little local girls and students um, you know, that chance to kind of feel that, that rush when you get off stage. And, um, yeah, it's, it's not, not anything that, you know, it's not something that everybody can experience. Yeah, totally. That's, that's, and not everybody can travel to, you know, something and pay a submission fee to, you know, perform in something or, or get hired to perform in something. So yeah, or some, you know, people want to do a group routine or something yeah. like that something that maybe isn't standard. We had um, Amy Guy on on from um, PSO a couple weeks ago. And you know, she has, you know, the opportunity for people to compete at all different levels, which is really cool. But some people may not want to necessarily be judged or, you know, they want to do a group performance or something. So I just always am so excited to hear about these other opportunities and happening, popping up around the world for people. So if anyone is in North Carolina and South Carolina and doesn't know about it, get in touch with Carol. Yeah. Check out our Facebook page. It's Odd Ones Out, Pole and Aerial Showcase. I'll put, I'll put that link in the show notes too. Okay. And you're still performing though, right? I'm. Oh yeah. I still perform quite a bit. Okay. I love performing. I'm, I'd say out of all of the things, you know, the hats that I wear, judge, perform, teach, um, compete. I think, um, teaching is definitely my favorite hat to wear. Um, okay. 
just because I've always been a natural teacher. And so I find it really easy to, um, to, to teach and, and also, you know, who doesn't love like teaching somebody and then, you know, they finally nail that thing or watching your students get stronger and stronger every week with something that, you know, they may have struggled with six weeks ago and, you know, now six weeks later they can do it and they're doing it perfectly and, you know, that's fun. It's what I enjoy about teaching. It's a talent. I couldn't do it. So (laughs) don't make it sound so easy. (laughs) (laughs) So teaching, traveling, doing workshops, performing still, that's kind of where you see yourself doing, producing your showcase and... Yeah. That's a lot. And Bad Kitty, don't forget. Yeah. Right. Yes. Cool. So um, heading into the second part of the interview, the questions that we ask everyone. Uh, question number one is, who is Carol Helms' pole crush? Oh, wow. Any sexy Russian right now. Um, <laughs> What's up with them? Uh, How do they do that Olga, shit? <laughs> um, Daria... Oh gosh, all the names are escaping me, but any, just any of the sexy Russians right now that are probably flooding your Instagram or mine. And you don't really ever say their name out loud. I just love it. I just love it because, well, I I can barely ever say their last name, so I won't try. (laughs) Um, But a couple of my favorites are Olga and Daria and, um, why can't I think of her name? Um, Dark hair. Bembo? Eva. Eva Bimbo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so they're, they're probably tops for me right now, only because I feel like um, there's this resurrection of it being okay again to be sexy in the pole community. Um, but I think what I love about um, them is that they, they take movements that, you know, that I've been doing forever and just make them look so different or, you know, add a little hip flare here and there and kind of really just roll and slink around the pole and that's the way I want to move (laughs) they make it look so easy like you'll see it and they they don't I mean they don't do like a bunch of hard tricks sometimes their feet never actually leave the floor and that's just lately where I'm the happiest is just feet and or hands and knees on the floor (laughs) yeah some low flow yeah. Yeah, they're really I don't know if that means I'm getting old in my no. I'm getting gray in my pole years or, or what's <laughs> going on, but yeah, I'm I'm starting to slow down and really enjoy the floor quite a bit. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. I mean there's only so much you can't just keep doing the same thing and you know, you're gonna you know, maybe in a few years you're just gonna wanna stay up top the whole time and never come down. You just never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Russians like they are so freaking creative. They're doing things that they're creating like an entire like genre of pull that is so identifiably Russian, which is cool. I can't do any of it, but I love watching it. <laughs> yeah, I second that. <laughs> and so how would you like to see the pole community evolve over the next five years? Oh, um, well, I just hope that the pole community, you know, continues to grow, continues to live and let be, you know, no matter what kind of genre or style is your favorite, just realize that they're, they're, they all exist for everybody. If you want to be more fitnessy and, and gymnasticky with your pole dance, then there are places and, and idols that you can look up to that are just that. And if you want to be sexy and have your feet never leave the floor and just roll around on the floor, then there is plenty of that. And that's okay too. Um, and if you're, you know, an ex dancer, or you like the contemporary ballet side of pole, then I just feel like everybody should not have to, you know, apologize for styles that they don't like or styles that they want to like, or the way that they just want to be. And just because you are one thing one minute doesn't mean that you always have to be that one thing either. So, um, I just would like a lot of the rifts that I see in the pole industry to, to kind of, you know, remember that we're just pole dancers. We're just pole dancing. <laughs> so I think we can sometimes take ourselves a little too seriously. 
um, and and forget what it is that kind of brought us all into pole. So I just hope that the pole industry in the next five years can continue to maintain its its, its sameness um, and live and let be and continue to grow. I, I hope that I see more and more studios popping up um, and more and more pole in the mainstream and mainstream media. Yeah. All good. All good hopes for the future. Yeah. I, I agree with yeah. all of those. We'll all benefit from those. Yeah. I've got, I keep feeling like, you know, I've, I've seen pole grow in just leaps and bounds and it's crazy. And I feel like at some point that we're going to witness a plateau and then, you know, a cliff dive, but you know, it hasn't happened yet. And I don't, feel like it will. I feel like pole is here to stay. I feel like there's enough, you know, pole junkies in the world that, that will all, um, will all survive and be around for a long time to say back when I was a little pole dancer. <laughs> yeah. Instead of it being like seven years ago, now I'm ancient and it's going to be yeah, like, then I'll really be gray haired and talking about <laughs> well, 30 years ago, we were pole dancing. <laughs> Yeah, without our jetpacks. Could you imagine? <laughs> That's some OG shit. <laughs> awesome. And so what do you have coming up? You mentioned a few things throughout. So you said you are going to be at Pole Expo. So that's where people can catch you. Mm-hmm. Are you performing there? Are you teaching, teaching workshops? Um, so next, this coming weekend, uh, in a few days, I'll be going to the North American Pole Dance Championships in um, Illinois. And then um, after that, my next thing is I'll be at uh, the S-Factor in Houston, July 30th and 31st. So come get your sexy on if you're in Houston. And then uh, then I'll be at Pole Expo. So I'm teaching a couple workshops. I'm teaching my Down and Dirty, which is floor work. There might be a couple more spaces left. I think last time I looked it was or filling and then I'm also teaching a kinetic static pole which is all about um, creating momentum on static pole which is one of my favorite things to teach Um, not always my favorite thing to teach on stages but um, you know you you do what you can it's pole expo (laughs) but I'll be performing and or um, walking in the bad kitty fashion expo Um, possibly judging one of the Bad Kitty Tricks and Spins battles. I will be posted at some point at the Expo booth and at some point at the um, Bad Kitty booth as well, as well as Alethea's booth. We'll probably be meandering all around that place. Um, And then I have, um, at the end of September, I have Gravity First uh, Key West pole camp, and that's Mm -hmm. September. September 26th through October 1st, and that's at um, Key West. It's amazing. Are there still spaces for that if people are interested? I I think there are still spaces for that. You can um, check out Gravity First Key West Facebook page or just Google them. Um, But the pole camp is September 26th. I think there's a few more spaces. Oh, my gosh. Margaritas and Key West and pole dancing. Yes, it's um, (laughs) it's going to be me. Uh, I believe Heidi Coker is going to be there and quite a few other instructors. So we've got a good lineup of instructors. It's going to be a fun week of poll in Key West. I love Key West. Wow. Oh, that sounds really fun. I'll put that link in the show notes. Guys, anything you need is in the show notes, all right? Don't, <laughs> don't, you don't have to be writing this down right now, but I don't want anyone to miss out on any of these amazing opportunities because it sounds like you're busy as hell these next few months. I am. And then it slows down usually in November and I start helping my friend with her cookie business for Christmas time. Yep. So I'll be um, gaining about 10 pounds in cookies. (laughs) I think you work hard enough that you burn it off. I don't think you have to worry about some Oreos. But it it shows even more when I do have too many Oreos. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's, I could not stand that temptation. Good for you. (laughs) It's hard. I can't either. That's why I'm eating them all. Well, you'd better not eat her profit margins. My goodness. <laughs> no, it's only the ones that we mess up. Oh, okay. That's that's fair then. <laughs> totally fine. This doesn't even have calories if they're broken. Sometimes so don't even worry. Just, yeah, sometimes we intentionally mess them up though. <laughs> <laughs> I would do the same thing. I follow I follow you there. <laughs> <laughs> 
cool. So before we wrap things up, can you leave us with an empowering message or quote or anecdote, anything to sign off with? Yes. So I, you know, whenever anybody asks me, you know, what is your, what is your message of empowerment or, you know, what, what would your message be to somebody just starting out in poll? And to me, it would be to not, not worry about the destination, but enjoy the journey. Um, I think a lot of times when we first start in pole dancing and even, even when you're, you know, been in pole for a few years, you, you kind of, you kind of look at these things on Instagram and, you know, YouTube, if anybody even watches YouTube anymore and Facebook and, and you, you kind of aspire to, to get there and you want to get there as quickly as possible that you forget to kind of enjoy where you're at and perfect your technique and really explore the moment that you're in, in pole and not worry so much about getting to the top of the mountain because you're never going to get to the top of the mountain. Um, that mountain just keeps going. So just try to experience the, the, the time of pull that you're in, in that very moment and not rush yourself through an awesome experience. Oh, that's so true. And, uh, I saw take your you, time and savor the bruises. Yeah. I taught, I saw you speak at PolCon once about the importance of like not rushing past, like getting your, even your invert properly. Right. You know, properly done. I don't, that's not a really eloquent way of saying it, but you, you said it better, but you know, don't rush to get that top, that trick on the top of the pole. If you can't even invert properly at the yeah. bottom of the pole. So, right. um, you know, that's all playing to it. Cause everyone's so excited to, to reach that, that upper echelon. So it's, it's fun at every point. So, yeah, I, th- I just think a lot of, a lot of times we're we're worried about that end result and we're not living in the moment and being here and exploring where we actually are, where our abilities are actually in the moment. Yeah. hundred percent agree. That's great advice. I appreciate that. Yeah. Cool. And it was uh, so great talking with you today. It's amazing how much you've really done in the industry, just in our, you know, what we covered today, which is not even, you know, a majority of, of what you contributed. So we yeah. Should- well- Thank you. Thank, well, thanks for having me and thanks for, you know, letting me talk about my, my pole history and, you know, my hopes and dreams for the pole industry. <laughs> it was rad. It was so great having you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Carol. Thank you for listening to the Pole Parlor podcast. Want more? Visit poleparlor.com for show notes and to link to the Facebook group where you can connect with other poleaholics and continue the conversation. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on the website, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Lots of love, babes. Thanks for listening.